from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik. I'm thrilled to be with you again this morning talking about the Giants. This is a show that produces daily episodes, Monday through Friday, that are approximately 15 minutes in length, and we present our analysis in a way that's modern and data-driven, but also insightful and easily digestible and easy for everyone to understand. You can subscribe to Locked on Giants Baseball on the brand new podcast app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Giants Baseball. In the first segment of today's show, we're going to talk about last night's tough 6-5 to loss, and we're also going to look at some season stats for the very first time on this show for the Giants as it compares to the rest of the National League. And then in the second segment, we're going to take a closer look at modern baseball analysis and why we can't just assume that all the players that are good in the modern game don't just fit one particular mold. And so we're going to take a closer look at that as it pertains to some players on the Giants, so you won't want to miss that. But first, we want to talk about last night's 6-5 to loss that ended in a little bit of heartbreak, the Giants scoring three runs in the ninth and having the tying run on third base with one out. First and third with one out was the situation with Sandoval pinch hitting. And on the first pitch, he grounds into a double play and ends the game. So they they had a real shot to come back. Jansen was struggling on the mound. He didn't start the inning, but he did finish the inning. And they had a real shot, and I'm not going to fault Sandoval. Again, it's one at bat. Uh, Would you like him to have come through and tie the game or more there? Of course. But he didn't double play game over, but I thought it showed good fight from the Giants to not quit. I've seen that quite a bit this season. They just seem to be, uh, you know, not giving up and they they have belief in themselves. And I think that is important. But the main thing to take away from this game was that it was another start for Madison Bumgarner. And we continued to see some, some different pitch usage versus his career average. We said uh, after opening day that he, he was using his fastball significantly less which is a trend he started using last season and you can say that that's because the results on the fastball haven't been so good lately and that's actually what's kind of been leading to some of the negative numbers coming Madison Bumgarner's way so that continued last night where he didn't throw a lot of fastballs and where did he make up those pitches he threw more cutters and more change-ups so I think the the main thing to be a little bit concerned about, though, is the fastball velocity continues to not be there. Last start, I think it was up a little bit, but this start, he averaged just 90.6 miles an hour on his fastball with a maximum of 91.5. So Bumgarner's a guy we used to see max out in the mid-90s. Of course, the five runs that Bumgarner allowed in that inning were actually unearned, which to me is like a crazy thing that we do saying that there's a difference between an earned run and an unearned run. You might disagree with me, and I can understand sometimes if if your team is making a million errors behind you and then you're giving up runs afterwards, I can see why you would want to not count those. But the fact is he gave up a grand slam, and the the other fact is it was his error (laughs) that makes it an unearned run. And 
The third out, I would say, should have come on that four-pitch walk to Hyunjin Ryu because the Grand Slam happened with two outs. But if earlier in the inning they had gotten, instead of walking Ryu, if he, if he had been able to make an out there, then the Grand Slam wouldn't have happened. So to, to just take it off his record like it doesn't count, to me, is crazy. So he allows a Grand Slam. Tough luck. You know, it should have been maybe more outs at that point. But but there wasn't, and the, the home run happened. So we're, we're going to act as if it happened instead of pretending that it didn't. So with six games in the books, I think it's fair-ish to take our first look at some team stats uh, for the Giants, just kind of see how they're faring compared to the rest of the National League, first offensively and then on the pitching side. So offensively, I think we all know that they have not been at their best. And sure enough, we're looking at like non-pitcher stats. And I know Bumgarner hit a home run and maybe you want to include pitchers, but I'm really trying to compare the, the regular guys who are in there in the lineup every day. And collectively, the Giants non-pitchers have hit 207 with a 266 on base percentage and a 310 slugging percentage. So that is the second worst offensive collection in baseball right now or in the National League. Only the Rockies are doing worse. But the good news is it's not going to stay that bad. There's absolutely no chance that the Giants end the year being where they are now, which is about 45% below average offensively. There's just no chance. At worst, they're going to be 10 to 15% below average offensively, and you would expect maybe a little more than that. So nowhere to go but up from here for the Giants' offense. They are striking out not too much, 24.6% of the time. That's, you know, there are teams that are up over 30, so that would be worse. And the other fact is they're not walking a lot, so pretty much not surprising as a whole. The Giants' offense is struggling. On the pitching side, however, things are very different, especially for the relievers who have the best earned run average. Granted, it's really kind of too soon to be using earned run average as your main indicator of pitching performance. There are better ways to do it, but if you're going by earned run average, the Giants' bullpen 1.50 ERA is the lowest in the National League. They uh, they also are the only National League team bullpen to not have allowed a home run. And I know I realize I'm saying that and they very well might allow one tonight. So you can blame me for that. The bullpen is in the top five in ground ball rate and they're in the top two in walk rate. Strikeout rate is not something that's as big of a strength. They're right in the middle in that regard. So the results for the starters have not been nearly as good. The ERA is pretty good, but the predictive numbers are like screaming red flags here they're not getting a lot of strikeouts at all in fact i think they might have the lowest no they have the second lowest strikeouts per nine innings of any national league starting staff and just a caveat here strikeout percentage is better and my preference but i don't have that pulled up so we're going to go with strikeouts per nine and assume that strikeout percentage is in the same neighborhood the real thing that has hurt them so far is home runs they've allowed 1.41 home runs per nine innings sixth worst in the national league and i bet you you wouldn't expect who is leading the national league in this category it's the cincinnati reds starting staff no home runs allowed on the season so like i said the giants starters have a 2.53 era which sounds really good but then the peripheral numbers the walks the, the home run rate the low strikeout rate suggest something more like a four earned run average based on this performance in other words they kind of have been lucky to get their two and a half era and you reasonably should have expected something more like a four era collectively from the starting staff thus far 
Remember, to get Locked On Giants baseball, you can subscribe on the brand new podcast app, Himalaya. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Go to the App Store and download Himalaya and subscribe to Locked On Giants Baseball. Coming up on the next segment, as promised, we're going to take a closer look at some specific players on the Giants who were just acquired, hint, hint, and why we cannot assume that there's only one way to evaluate players and only one thing with players that makes them good. So that's all coming up on the next segment. You won't want to miss it, but first... We talk about baseball performance all the time on this show, but what about performance in the bedroom? That's right, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. They can be taken anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Yes, I actually know someone who has tried this product and they have extremely positive things to report about its effectiveness. The best part about Blue Chew is that it's prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no more visit to the doctor's office, waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness around this topic. Blue Chew is made in the United States and prepares and shipped direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit www.bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code MLB. Just just pay five dollars for shipping. That's it. Again, that's B L U E Chew.com. Promo code MLB. And try it, it's free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So in this segment, we're going to talk about, like I was saying, how there seems to be this idea out there that Farhan Zaidi only likes one type of player, and that's a player with a good strikeout to walk ratio and and we've seen that over and over but it's actually not factual like there's no reason to think that would be true so I don't really understand why that's getting pushed specifically getting into Kevin Pillar this is a guy yes his on base percentage for his career is under 300 you know shocking but the fact is like we said on the show yesterday he has posted fangraphs wins above replacement above 2 and sometimes as high as almost 4 each of the last four seasons. So there's zero reason to think that someone who is a modern front office executive, you know, into the analytics, evaluating players at the highest level in today's day and age is like going to pass on a player who provides a ton of value in other areas simply because he doesn't have a great strikeout to walk ratio. That is just insane. And I don't know where that idea is coming from. Someone who comes to mind immediately is like a Brandon Crawford who doesn't necessarily draw a ton of walks and he does strike out a fair amount. So he's not like the poster child of strikeout to walk ratio, but what does he do? He provides tremendous defensive value and that makes him a good player. Like nobody would really dispute that. And I think that is the thing with Kevin Pillar as well. So on yesterday's show, we did talk about how his defense seems to have declined, and I think it's fair to say he's probably not the same guy that he once was, which was a human highlight reel. But I also don't want to read too much into 2018 defensive metrics, which had him at like negative two defensive runs saved. But DRS is a metric that tends to fluctuate pretty wildly. And so in years past, he was like way, way up there in DRS. So I would 
kind of wait 2018 a little more to say, okay, that's a little concerning, but also not just throw out the last two seasons before that and assume he's probably still above average, if not well above average in that category. But the other thing, and if you follow me on Twitter, which you should, at Cove underscore cast, that we talked about yesterday was the fact that uh, base running is often overlooked in modern analysis. We we like to kind of mention it sometimes, but we don't often quantify it. But the thing is that we can quantify it. And it's not just stolen bases. It's stolen bases, caught stealing, advancing extra bases, giving you extra points for that, and uh, getting thrown out on the bases, giving you negative points for getting thrown out on the bases. So being a good base runner is a is a skill, and it is something that adds value to your player profile. And if, if you're not hitting a ton, you know, but if you're providing a ton of defensive value and base running value, that matters, and you're helping your team. Kevin Pillar last season was one of the better base runners in MLB. I don't think he was like top five, but he he was very solidly above average. Four and a half runs above average is the quantification there. And that is worth about half a win. So if you're talking about wins above replacement, which I think we really ought to be, because if you're just dwelling on something like strikeout to walk ratio, I think you're just thinking about it in the wrong frame of mind. And the right way to frame it is, is wins above replacement. Like, I don't care if you're the worst hitter in MLB. If you're like the best base runner of all time and the best defender of all time, you might actually be a pretty good player. So Pilar is someone who, you know, hasn't been the strongest hitter. Although I will say again, that his track record against left-handed pitching is such that he's league average against left-handed pitching. So league average offensively against one side, you know, one handedness of pitcher and then having a lot of defensive value and base running value makes him a quality player. And that's what he's been in his career, especially the last four seasons. I mean, my goodness, two wins above replacement or more four straight years makes him an average or better regular at the major league level. And so that's definitely something that you couldn't say for sure about the outfielders they had. So this is a quote from Farhan Zaidi. He says, there are some organizational themes some things we want to do better, but we don't want to be overly dogmatic in going only after one kind of player. It's an illustration that, that you can get there in different ways. You can get there with good defense. You can get there with power. You can get there with good base running. At the end of the day, you want guys who can positively impact the game in whatever way possible. So that's pretty much exactly what I'm saying is he's affirming that that's the truth. It doesn't matter if you're a great strikeout to walk ratio guy if you're valuable in other areas you can be valuable as a baseball player in 2019 there's also a quote from Zaidi about Michael Reed being designated for assignment so quickly and this is all coming from Andy Baggerly in The Athletic this morning Zaidi says it's tough and it's unfair to say this was a judgment of his eight at bats so far I take responsibility for putting him in a tough spot coming into camp so late and having to familiarize himself with an organization and be out there opening day. It was a lot of moving parts and a lot of pressure on him. I don't think what we saw was indicative of his ability, and I hope we get a chance to keep him in the organization. So again, he's totally affirming exactly my point, which is that eight plate appearances is a crazy, ridiculous thing to try to evaluate a player in that amount of plate appearances. Nobody should do that. A lot of Fans and analysts seemingly are wanting to do that. We continue to not do that on the show. Something I meant to mention in 
a couple episodes when I was talking about lessons in small sample size, not just Muncie, not just whatever we talked about on that show. But in 2010, Andres Torres came out of nowhere to have a six wins above replacement level season. And he was like 100 and no, excuse me, he was 25 percent better than average offensively versus the rest of the league and he started that year 0 for 15 and I remember that I remember thinking oh my gosh he needs to get a hit or else they're going to send him down and I do remember I think he had a hit up the middle off like Vincente Padilla in Los Angeles in 2010 so if if anybody else remembers that let me know the other thing is Evan Longoria last season started the season 0 for 15 so if, imagine if they had given up on Torres. He had a six-win season. That is like borderline MVP-level season that they got out of Andres Torres in 2010. And if you know modern Giants fans who are ready to bury Connor Joe based on 11 plate appearances were on Twitter talking about Andres Torres, I'm sure they would have been saying the same thing. And my goodness, how wrong they would have been. And again, same could be said with Longoria. He's an established pro. You know what you're going to get for the most part. So 0 for 15, it can just happen. And it doesn't mean he's like, you know, doesn't belong at the major league level. So that's all the time we have for today. We will be back tomorrow on Thursday talking about the Giants game that is tonight at 7 o'clock again. Whatever happens, we'll be there to analyze it in a way that's modern, insightful, and easily digestible and easy for everyone to understand. So that's the name of the game with this show. Again, it's called Locked on Giants Baseball. I hope you will consider subscribing, especially on the brand new podcast app Himalaya, but you can also find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And remember, when you get in your car, you can simply tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Giants Baseball. Once again, my name's Ben Kaspic. It's been so great to be with you. Please consider leaving a review and subscribing, and I look forward to being with you again tomorrow. So until then, we'll see you next time.